Hey, welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. Uh, before I get going, I want to thank my newest patron on Patreon, Janet. Thanks so much, Janet. I really appreciate your support. Today, I have got a whole selection of stories for you. I'm heading back to Genesis to tell um, a bunch of stories about Abraham's children and descendants. If you don't know or remember who Abraham is, you can go back to episode 11. I tell Abraham's origin story in the story of Hagar. There are a lot of stories about that family in Genesis, so I won't get to them all in here, but I'll try to get to the most, most well-known ones that I can figure out how to tell in a family-friendly way. Because um, there are some really disturbing ones that are... Well, there's some disturbing ones that I'm going to tell, and there's some disturbing ones that I just don't think are inappropriate for children, and I don't feel ready to tell my children about, so I don't feel ready to put them on the podcast. Um, Anyway, the first story today takes place when Isaac, the son of Abraham, was a boy. Now, um, if you haven't listened to episode 11 or maybe don't remember it and don't know the story, God told Abraham that God would give Abraham a lot of land and give him a son who would have sons, who would have sons who would take possession of the land. But for a long time, Abraham and his wife couldn't have any kids. And then there's this whole convoluted plot where he did have a kid, but it wasn't with his wife, Sarah. And that wasn't the promise. It was The promise was his wife, Sarah, was going to have a baby. And that son would be who the line of the promise of Abraham would go through. Um, When he was 100 years old, which, as you probably know, is very old for having babies. Abraham was 100 and his wife was 90 and they had a baby and they named him Isaac, which which means uh, laughter because they were laughing because they were so happy uh, and excited about having a baby. Um, And that was pretty amazing because of how old they were that they had a baby. And Isaac was necessary for all of God's promises to Abraham to come true. Isaac had to grow up and have kids. They had to have kids. A lot of pressure on a baby. But the Bible's all about putting pressure on babies. Anyway, when Isaac was a boy, God decided to test Abraham. Now here's where it gets disturbing. The test is this. God says, Abraham? And Abraham's like, oh, here I am. And God's like, Abraham, I need you to go to a specific place where I'm going to show you um, in the mountains and offer your son as a sacrifice on the mountains. If I've never really explained it recently, a sacrifice is when you kill an animal and you burn it. Instead of an animal, God tells Abraham to use Isaac. Yep, it's disturbing. Um, turns out okay, turns out okay, so don't worry. But um, Abraham doesn't know what's going to happen. So he decides to obey God because that's what he's been doing this whole story. So far, he's gotten rich, and he's had a baby, and he's going to keep obeying God. Uh, And so he's going to take his son to this mountain. So he got up in the morning, he saddled his donkey, and took two servants and his son, and got wood ready to burn the offering, and headed out to the mountain. On the third day of traveling, they realized they were almost to the right mountain. And Abraham left most of his stuff with the servants and said, You guys watch the donkey. The boy and I are going up there and we'll worship God and then we will come back. And he says we. So, you know, does that mean like, what, is he not going to go through with it? Or does he think something else is going to happen? I don't know. He, He has Isaac carry the wood for the offering and Abraham carried the fire, like a torch, I guess, and a knife for killing the offering. So they started walking and Isaac is like, um... He's a boy or maybe a young teenager now. And he says, uh, Father? And Abraham says, for the second time in this story, here I am. 
And Isaac says, uh, I see we have the fire and we have the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? And Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And they kept walking. When they arrived at the place God had told him to go, Abraham built the altar out of stones and he arranged the wood. Um, and maybe, you know, if it was if it was me, someone asked me to do something I didn't want to do, I'd be like moving really slow, waiting for something else to happen. Um, of course, I would not do what Abraham is doing. I would say, heck no. But nothing happens. So he just goes on and he ties his son up and then he, he lifts the knife and all of a sudden, the Lord cries out, Abraham, Abraham. So Abraham stops what he's doing for the third time in the story and probably the most relief. He says, here I am. And the Lord says, don't hurt the boy. This was a test. And I know that you fear God because you would have sacrificed your only son. I think um, people believe that Abraham believed God would just bring Isaac back to life. Um, that's, a, that's the thing I've been told. But anyway... Um, so Abraham looks up and he sees a ram, which is like a male sheep, caught by its horns in the bushes there. So he took the ram and he offered that as a sacrifice instead. And then the angel of the Lord came and promised to Abraham, the promise he's made multiple times throughout the story, that the Lord would bless Abraham and make his offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and give him the land. Um, and there, there's your happy ending. The story doesn't actually talk about how Isaac felt about all of this. My parents said it was good parenting to trust God over taking care of your parents. I mean, over taking care of your children. Uh, maybe that's part of why I'm an atheist right now. Um, anyway, many years later, Isaac grew up. As you can imagine, maybe he didn't turn out to be the most well-adjusted young man or adult ever. Um, Abraham was really old, and Abraham's wife Sarah was really old, and, and she died, and Isaac was really sad because his mom died. So they found a wife for him so he would be happy again, and her name was Rebecca. And she couldn't have any babies, which is the thing that keeps happening in these stories, but it's less drawn out and complicated than the whole Abraham and Sarah thing, because they just pray, and then Rebecca gets pregnant. And when she's pregnant, a weird thing starts happening. She feels like there's a fight happening inside of her, of her womb, in her, in her uterus, in her tummy, as you might say. Uh, and she doesn't know what the heck is going on with that because it feels like there's a fight in there. And so she inquires, she asks the Lord what exactly is happening after whatever he did to her. And he tells her that two nations are growing inside of her. Two people will come from her and be separated. And the older one is going to serve the younger one. And she remembers that. And when the time came for her to give birth, it was twins. Uh, the first one came out looking all red and hairy. Sometimes babies are kind of fuzzy. Uh, and this one was apparently especially fuzzy and red. So they named him Esau because that means red. And the second brother came out holding Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob because apparently that means he's holding on to the heel. But it also sounds like the Hebrew for he deceives or, or he lies. Um... I'm sure that last bit won't be important later. <laughs> so when the boys grew up, Esau was a strong man and a hunter who loved being outside. But sometimes brothers are very different. And Jacob was a quiet man who liked to stay home. Now, their dad Isaac loved Esau more, the older brother. I say older, they're only like a couple minutes apart. But the older, redder, hairier one. Isaac loved him because Isaac liked eating the animals that Esau hunted. But Rebecca loved Jacob more. 
One day, Jacob had made some dinner, and Esau, the older brother, came in from the outside exhausted. And he said, give me some of that stew you made, because I'm exhausted. And Jacob's like, I made this stew, it's mine. But Esau really wanted some, because he was really hungry. And Jacob says, I will trade you. You can have a bowl of my stew if you trade me your birthright. A birthright is when the firstborn child, which remember Esau was born first, usually gets the best inheritance. And there's a whole promise here that God had given to Abraham for Isaac. That whole promise is at stake. Usually that promise would go to the firstborn child, although the Lord already told Rebecca back when she was pregnant that the older would serve the younger. So Rebecca knows what's going to happen. I'm not sure what Esau knows. Anyway, Esau says, I am about to die of starvation. What would I even need the birthright for? You'd get it anyway when I die of starvation. But Jacob made him swear that Jacob could have the birthright, and then Jacob gave him the dinner. And then the text says that Esau despised his birthright, which I've been told many didn't really value the promises, or else he wouldn't have sold them to Jacob for a bowl of, like, pea soup, I think. It was like a lentil stew or something. Anyway, in the meantime, Isaac gets super rich, and then Esau turns 40, also Jacob then, I guess, is 40, and Esau marries two women, and Isaac and Rebekah absolutely hate them. And um, then Isaac got old and went blind, and he was going to give his son a blessing before he died because he was really old, and he thought he might die soon. So Isaac called Esau to him and said, look, I'm old, and I might die soon, so let's go hunt something, and no, you go hunt something and make some delicious food that's my favorite and bring it to me. And once I've eaten the delicious food that's my favorite, I'll give you a blessing before I die. And Isaac's wife, Rebecca, overheard all this. And remember, Jacob's her favorite and she had the promise and she knows Esau sold his birthright. So she doesn't want Esau to get the promise. She wants Jacob, not the promise, the blessing. She wants Jacob to get the blessing. So she grabs Jacob and she says, listen, I heard your father talking to Esau and he's planning to give Esau the blessing after Esau makes him some food. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to get that blessing. Just do what I say. You will bring two goats to me. I will cook a meal just like your dad likes it. And then you will take it to your father to eat and he will bless you before he dies. And Jacob said, um, okay, but my brother Esau is very hairy and I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me then he'll know I'm lying and he will curse me instead of bless me and Rebecca said if you get a curse it'll be on me if he curses you just just obey me and get the goats so he got the goats and she made the food and she got Esau's best clothes that were at the house and she made Jacob wear them and she put the goat skins from the goats they just killed on his hands and his neck so that he would feel all hairy um Esau must have been really hairy because goats are very hairy Anyway, then she handed the food and the bread to Jacob and sent him to his father. And he said, my father? And Isaac said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Um, Because remember, Isaac is blind. And Jacob said, I'm Esau, your firstborn son. Please sit up and eat so you can bless me. But Isaac thought that was really fast. And now he asked him, how did you get the meat so quickly? And Jacob said, oh, it's because the Lord your God worked it out for me. And then Isaac was like, yeah, that seems reasonable enough. And he says, please come closer so I can touch you and see if you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came closer. And when Isaac touched him, he said, oh, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And uh, he didn't recognize him because his hands were hairy. So he blessed him. And then he asked again, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. 
And Isaac said, okay, well, serve me that food, and then I'll bless you. So Isaac ate and drank, and then he said, come closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob came closer and kissed him, and Isaac smelled his clothes, which were Esau's clothes. And they smelled like Esau. So when, when Isaac smelled him, he, he blessed him and said, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field the Lord has blessed. May God give to you an abundance of grain and wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers. Your mother's sons will bow down to you. Those who curse you will be cursed and those who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac finished the blessing, finished blessing Jacob and Jacob left, Esau arrived from the hunt. He had made some delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said, uh, get up and eat some of this so you may bless me. And his father said, who are you? And he said, I'm Esau, your firstborn son. Then Isaac began to shake. He began to tremble because um, he realized what must have happened. He said, who was it who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all and then I blessed him. And Esau was devastated, and he started crying, Bless me too, my father. But Isaac said, Your brother deceived me and took your blessing. And Esau said, Haven't you saved a blessing for me? And Isaac said, Look, I made him a master over you. I, I made him a master over all his relatives. I blessed him with, with grain and wine. What is left? There's nothing left to bless you with. And Esau said, Do you only have one blessing? Bless me too. And he starts like, crying and Isaac feels really bad and basically um tells him he's he speaks in like this kind of poetry so it's sort of like the way the blessing is written except it's not really a blessing it's that he'll have a hard life and he won't get the blessings Isaac had given to Jacob and he won't have an easy time getting rich like Isaac will all Isaac can give him is the hope that someday he won't have to serve his brother anymore and then Esau was mad and he held a grudge against Jacob after that. Now Rebecca the mom had known since she was pregnant that the younger child, the second one, would be the one who would get the birthright and Jacob has known ever since Esau traded him the birthright for a bowl of soup that Jacob should get the birthright but none of that meant there wouldn't be consequences for trying to trick Isaac or for tricking Isaac. One of those consequences was that Esau was planning to kill Jacob for revenge after their father died. I do not endorse that as a consequence for lying but that was his plan. So Rebecca found out about this and she told Jacob to go live with her older brother Laban and to stay there with in, in that different area until, until Esau stopped being angry. And then she can't really just send him off. She doesn't want to send him off and make Isaac all mad at him. So she, she tells Isaac, because she's very clever, I'm so sick of my life. Because of these Hittite women Esau has married, if Jacob marries a woman like one of those, my life will be worthless. So Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and told him, please leave and go near his mother's relatives and marry one of the daughters of Laban, Rebekah's brother. Which um, is, whoa, deja vu, exactly what Rebekah already told Jacob to do, but now Isaac thinks it's his idea. Then Esau heard about it, and he realized his parents didn't like his wives and wanted his brother to marry a relative. So I guess he thought he could make it better if he got another wife. So he married a third wife, who was the daughter of Ishmael, who is uh, Isaac's half-brother, who Hagar's son, that you might remember from episode 11. So Jacob traveled to the east. Uh, at night, he grabbed a stone for a pillow, fell asleep, and had a dream. 
In his dream, he saw a stairway reaching from the ground up into heaven, and angels were going up and down the stairs. And then he dreamed the Lord was standing beside him and told him, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land you're sleeping on right now. Your offspring will like, be like the dust of the earth and will spread out, and everyone on earth will be blessed through your offspring. I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. And when Jacob awoke, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know. And he was a little bit afraid, because the Lord kind of has that effect on people. Um, and then he set up the stone he had used as a pillow, as a marker to mark the place. And then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and watch over me and provide me food to eat and clothes to wear, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Um, and then he kept traveling towards his mother's brother Laban. And uh, he was thinking he must be getting pretty close, and he's all well in the field, like you draw water from, and there was a big stone over it. And he saw men waiting there with their sheep, and he asked them if they knew Laban. And they said, uh, oh, yeah, actually, we do. And then he asked if Laban was well. And he said, oh, yeah, he's doing really well. And also, here's his daughter, Rachel. You can see her right there. She's coming with his sheep. And he was like, uh, isn't, Jacob was like, isn't this around the time you should be watering the flocks? And they said, oh, we can't do it until all the flocks are gathered here and the stone is moved away from the well's opening. And you remember Jacob had already been told he should marry one of Laban's daughters. And here comes Laban's daughter looking beautiful and when he sees her he goes and moves this huge stone off the well all by herself and watered her sheep which is like his really big macho move moment uh and then he officially introduces him to himself to rachel as rebecca's son and then he meets laban and stays with him and works for him and after he's been working for a month laban like is really liking the extra help he says what should i pay you what should i give you for all the work you've been doing now laban had two daughters the older was Leah, and the younger, whom we've already met, was Rachel. And Rachel was beautiful, and the Bible says Leah had weak eyes. So, but that's in contrast to Rachel being beautiful, so I guess that means, like, she wasn't beautiful. Um, and Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel. So he said to Laban that he would work for Laban for seven years if he could then get married to Rachel. So he worked for seven years, and the years flew by like just a couple days because Jacob loved Rachel so much. And then he said, it's been seven years. I'm ready to get married. So they got married and had the big party, um, and the bride was looking, you know, elegant in like this veil and stuff. And they slept together and got married. And in the morning, he realized, he took the veil off, it wasn't Rachel. It was her older sister Leah instead. And he was really upset. He's like, Laban, why did you trick me? And Laban's like, well, around here, the older daughter is supposed to get married first. And you were ready to marry my daughter. So I just had to give you the older one. Anyway, it's not really clear. Did Laban have no choice? At any rate, it was definitely a trick. And he said, um, Jacob, I'll tell you what. You complete this week of wedding celebration. And then you can go ahead and marry Rachel too. And then you can just work another seven years to pay for that, pay for her. So that's what happened. After the week of wedding celebration, Jacob married Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And then Jacob worked for Laban for another seven years. But the Lord saw that Leah was married and that Jacob didn't love her. So he decided, the Lord decided, he'd let Leah have kids and not Rachel. So Leah gave birth to a son and she named him Reuben. And she said, 
The Lord has seen my affliction. Now my husband will love me. And apparently that didn't work. But she kept having sons. She had three more sons, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And each time she's convinced, now my husband will love me because I keep having sons. But Rachel couldn't have any sons. I mean, this has been years now, and she's like jealous. And she tells Jacob, give me sons or I will die. And that made Jacob mad because he said it was God who was not letting her have children. So then she did the whole thing that Sarai did back with Abraham and said, here's my slave Bilhah, sleep with her, and then I'll have a family through her. Which, again, like Hagar, they don't get a choice in this. I mean, honestly, Leah really didn't get a choice either, so it's pretty flippin' horrible. But um, that's how the story goes. And so she had a son, and Rachel named him Dan. And then later Bilhah had a second son, and Rachel said, In my wrestlings with God, I have wrestled with my sister and won. I'm not sure exactly what kind of counting she's doing to think she's ahead. But anyway, she names Bilhah's second son Naphtali, which means wrestle. And then Leah hadn't had a baby in a while, and she in turn thought she was losing to Rachel. Again, she has four sons, and Rachel's slave has two sons, so I'm not sure about the math here. But um, she gives her slave Zilpah to Jacob, and Zilpah has a son, and then a second son named Gad and Asher. That's a lot of sons. At some point, Reuben, the oldest son, goes out and finds some mandrakes, which are a plant that people thought would make you have more babies, or be more able to have babies. And he brings them to Leah, his mother, and Rachel says, ooh, I want some of those. And Leah says, isn't it bad enough that you've taken my husband, now you also want my son mandrakes? And then Rachel said, well, if you give me them, I'll let you sleep with Jacob tonight, which is frankly TMI on those family dynamics. But anyway, that night, Leah said, you have to stay with me in my tent because I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. So Jacob slept with Leah again, and she got pregnant again and had a fifth son named Issachar. And then she had a sixth son later named Zebulun. And then she had another child, a girl named Dinah. Or maybe it's Dina. I'm not sure. I'll go with Dinah. Then after all this baby having, God finally remembered Rachel, and he finally remembered that he'd made it so she couldn't have children. In Genesis, there's a lot of God forgetting and remembering. So anyway, Rachel's been praying for a long time to have children, so he finally made it so she could have children. And she got pregnant and had a son and named him Joseph, which means he adds, saying, I hope the Lord adds another son. So now we're up to 11 sons and one daughter, And that's all the sons for now. And now that Rachel finally has a baby, Jacob is ready to go back to his homeland. So Jacob told Laban, his father-in-law slash uncle, that he was ready to leave with his wives and children. And then Laban's like, I really wish you would stay because I'm actually really successful with you working for me, but name your wages and I'll pay them. And Jacob told him, I know that with my help you've become really rich because the Lord has blessed you because of me, So when will I do something for my own family? And Laban said, well, what will I pay you? So Jacob just says that when he leaves, he'll take all the speckled and dark colored goats and leave all the plain, beautiful white ones for Laban. And Laban's like, oh yeah, that's great. Then Laban takes all of the speckled, striped and dark sheep and goats before Jacob can claim any and send them to his son and gives them to his sons and sends them several days away. So there's not any left for Jacob to take. But Jacob was taking care of all of the rest of the flock, so he pulls a little magic. There's this superstition that that whatever an animal sees when it's mating, that's the type of offspring it'll have. And you're supposed to believe that because of God, that's how this actually works. 
And it does, it works. He gets these branches and he strips some of the bark on them so they look all spotted and stripy and he puts them in front of all the healthy animals. So when the healthy animals breed, he thinks they'll be more likely to have the offspring that are spotted and streaked and dark colored. And it works and he gets a flock of his own filled with incredibly healthy spotted and speckled animals and, and, and Jacob becomes really rich. And Laban starts to get angry and his sons are jealous that all of Jacob's wealth has come from their father. And Jacob feels like he's wearing out another welcome. So Jacob explains to Rachel and Leah that Laban has been trying to cheat him and keeps changing his wages. I mean, even the fact that Jacob is married to Leah is because Laban cheated him. And he said that God has made him rich despite all that. Now God wants him to go back to his homeland. And Rachel and Leah are like, we don't have an inheritance in our father's household. Our father sold us. Our father spent all our money. The wealth that God has taken from our father belongs to us and our children. So we'll just do what God told you to do. I like that they're good and angry because Laban is a horrible dad and not a very good boss either. So Jacob packed up, put his children and wives on camels, took all the livestock and everything he had acquired and started to head back to his father Isaac in Canaan, who was actually still not dead despite being quite old when Jacob left. Jacob deceived Laban by not even telling him he was leaving. Also, Rachel stole Laban's household idols, which are little God statues, not to be confused with the Lord God, who you're not supposed to make a statue of. On the third day after they leave, Laban finds out they've all left. So he took a bunch of relatives and chased after Jacob for seven days. And the night before he caught up with Jacob, God came to him in a dream and said, watch yourself, watch what you say to Jacob. So Laban catches up to Jacob and he's really mad. He's like, why have you taken my daughters away? I would have thrown you a big celebration with music and dancing. You didn't even let my let me kiss my grandchildren goodbye. You snuck away. You're being foolish. I could really hurt you, but your God told me not to. Now, I understand you've left because you missed your father, but why did you steal my household gods? And Jacob said, I was afraid you wouldn't let me take your daughters with me, but I didn't steal your household gods. If you find them with anyone here, we'll put them to death. So go ahead, search as much as you want. But Jacob didn't know Rachel had stolen them. I don't know why she took them. Did she have spite? Like she wanted to get a little bit of revenge for it? She think they would bring her luck? At any rate, she took them. She put them in a bag and she sat on the bag. And then Laban searched everyone's tents. All the grown-ups had their own tents. Jacob, the two wives, the two slaves, they each had a tent. And finally he got to Rachel's tent. And she said, um, remember she's sitting on the, on the idols, the little statues. She said, don't be angry that I can't stand up. I'm having my monthly period. So he searched, but he couldn't find them because she was sitting on them. But he wasn't going to disturb her from sitting because, you know, periods are very mystifying and scary. <laughs> Not really. Now, to be clear, nowadays, people who do have periods stand up just fine because they have hygiene products. I don't know, like, did Rachel not have hygiene products? Or is Laban just this really clueless and uninvolved dad? And this is actually a lie and he just thinks it's plausible because he's so clueless? I don't know. It could go either way. So he gave up the search and didn't find the idols. And Jacob just assumed that Laban was lying. And in fairness, Laban has lied before. Jacob says, what is my crime that you've chased me like a criminal? You've looked through everything I own. Have you found anything of yours? Let everyone judge between us. I've been with you for 20 years. Your sheep are doing great. I didn't eat your rams. If anything's hurt by wildlife, I pay for the loss. There I was. The heat consumed me by day and the frost consumed me by night and sleep fled from my eyes. For 20 years I have worked. I love this bit. 
If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would have sent me off empty-handed. But God has seen my hard work, and he issued his verdict to you last night. Then Laban answered with his own soliloquy, These daughters are my daughters. These sons are my sons. These flocks are my flocks. But what can I do? And then they made a promise not to harm each other, and they all ate a meal together. In the morning, Laban got up early, kissed his sons, well, his grandsons, and his daughters, and blessed them and returned home. Then Jacob had got away from one angry relative. But now, to go back to his father Isaac, he was going to have to face another angry relative. This is what they say in fairy tales, out of the frying pan into the fire. He sent, Jacob sent messengers to his brother Esau, basically saying he'd been staying with Laban and had been delayed up until now, decades later, and he's really rich and he's sending you advance notice and hopes you'll be happy to see him. And when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, uh, we went to see Esau, he's coming to meet you and he's got 400 men coming with him. And then Jacob was afraid that Esau was going to fight him. And Esau's always been stronger than Jacob, so he divided all the people and the flocks and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau attacks one camp, the remaining camp can escape and he'll still have some of his people and flocks and stuff. And then Jacob prayed, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, who told me to go back to my family, a little, little jab there, I am unworthy of all the kindness you've shown me. Last time I crossed the Jordan River, I had only my staff, and now I have two huge camps of people, so please rescue me from Esau, because you promised, you promised to make my family prosper. And then he sent a gift of hundreds of valuable animals ahead to Esau, and he entrusted each group of, of these animals to a slave and said, uh, leave some distance between each group. And he told the first one, when Esau meets you and asks you, who do you belong to? Where are you going? And whose animals are these ahead of you? Tell them, they be tell him, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are gifts sent to my lord Esau. And look, Jacob's coming behind us. And he told all the other groups of people with the animals to say the same thing. And he's hoping after all these huge gifts, Esau will forgive him and be happy to see him. So he sent everyone ahead and remained in the camp. And by night he had sent his wives and the two female slaves and all the 11 sons and his daughter ahead of him. He was left alone in the middle of basically nowhere. And then a man showed up, mystery man, out of nowhere, and wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw he couldn't actually defeat Jacob, he touched Jacob's hip as they wrestled and dislocated his hip which is quite painful if you've ever dislocated something. I know some of my listeners and me, we've, it's painful. Um, there's this little hint in the English translation because the he that's mysteriously wrestling Jacob gets, gets capitalized, a capital H, and it's like, ooh, who is he? And then he said to Jacob, let me go because it's daybreak. And Jacob grabbed onto him and said, I won't let you go until you bless me. What's your name? asked the man. Jacob, he replied. Well, the man said, your name will not be Jacob anymore. It will be Israel, which means he struggled with God because you've struggled with God and prevailed. And then Jacob said, please tell me your name. But then he, you know, the one who just referred to himself as God, is like, why do you ask my name? And then he gave him a blessing. And then Jacob knew he had seen God face to face and survived. And then he walked toward Esau, limping because his hip hurt. 
And when he saw Esau coming toward him with 400 men, he, he sent everyone else ahead of him except his family. And he went in front of his family with Rachel and Joseph last, probably so that if Esau started attacking, they would have the best chance of getting away. Um, and then he bowed to the ground seven times until he got to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, hugged him, and threw his arms around him and kissed him, and they cried. And Esau looked up at all the women and children with him and was like, who are all these people? And Jacob introduced his family. And Esau says, uh, what did you mean by this whole procession I met ahead of you? And Jacob said, oh, I was hoping you'd be happy with me. And Esau said, I'm actually doing pretty well. I have enough stuff. You keep your stuff. You keep your animals. I'll keep my animals. And Jacob said, no, please take this present, this gift, because God has blessed me. And now I've seen your face. And it's like seeing God's face since you have accepted me. So Esau tries to get him to go back where Esau lives together. And Jacob says, no, we're really tired. So we'll just continue slowly. We'll catch up with you eventually. And Esau says, oh, well, I'll just leave some people with you to help you, you know, with the moving since you're so tired. But Jacob doesn't trust Esau. He's still afraid that Esau's going to change his mind and try to kill him. So he convinces Esau to go back, that Jacob will catch up with him. And then Jacob just buys some land and pitches his tent somewhere else instead of going after Esau. Then Jacob continues to be successful, and he starts going by the name Israel, which uh, is probably a name that's familiar to you by now because the whole people group is named after him. His favorite wife, Rachel, has one more son eventually named Benjamin, and then she dies. Um, and eventually Jacob makes it back to his father. And Isaac, who had been 100 years old when Jacob tricked him and everyone thought Isaac was about to die immediately, lives a full life and dies at the age of 180 years with his sons and family around him. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him together. When people talk about the God of, of Israel, they often say um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And um, Jacob or Israel, has 12 sons who form the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is the start of the whole nation, which is why this is a really significant myth. So uh, next week, we'll talk about some of the adventures of the children of Israel, like literally the 12 sons, although sometimes the whole nation gets referred to that way. Mostly we'll focus on Jacob's favorite son, Joseph. It's a story like this one with a lot of sibling rivalry, lying, and drama that I find really interesting. Well, I said next week, honestly, I'm not positive I'm going to get to it. I like to be really predictable, um, but uh, I can't promise I'll get to it next week, although I'm going to attempt it. Um, but anyway, I'm planning that, that, Jake, that Joseph will be the, will be the next story. Um, so anyway, that is all for this week. The long life of Isaac, the dramatic life of Israel. And then, yeah, I'll be, I'll be back um, next week or the next with the dramatic story of Joseph. So be on the lookout for that. Um, thanks so much for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child.